Welcome to the Travel Like a Boss podcast, where we interview location-independent entrepreneurs that travel the world like a boss by being their own boss. Here's your host, Johnny FD. Hey guys, it's Johnny and welcome to episode 183 of the Travel Like a Boss podcast. I'm here today with Julia and Costa. Welcome guys. Thank you. Hi. <laughs> so let's start off actually with how we met here in Miami. Well, we really had a good day yesterday and we came for the event. Uh, Johnny is going for Destiny and that's uh, Tony Robbins. So we all came together. And we had a good evening, and we share all ideas, all information together. So we had a really good fun. Yeah. Well, all we really did was we went to Yard House, this bar. <laughs> we just had some food and some drinks. But then today we met up again for another like kind of pre um, seminar meetup, and walk. We were walking on the beach, and ha- like first off, Miami Beach is really nice, right? What, what do you think of it? Yeah, it's amazing. So many people, so relaxed, and uh, people just enjoying themselves. Yeah, uh, really different from Lithuania, where you're from. What, what's how? How is Miami different from uh, Lithuania, Julia? <laughs> Good question. Um, well, first of all, we have snow in Lithuania at this time of the year, and um, Miami was amazing. It was boiling hot, people swimming in the ocean, and yeah, it's like it's a totally di- different world, to be honest. Like you don't see so many supercars as well <laughs> around. Yeah, so. At Miami Beach, there were, like, literally as we were getting our Uber, there was a Lamborghini and a Ferrari right in front of us. And you, you don't really see that anywhere in Europe, even though they're made in Europe. No, you don't. And uh, you don't see so many crazy cars and, um, like, the um, motorcycles that we saw, like, really, like, I don't know, monster motorcycles yesterday. It's like... Like, if you want to see one of the best cars and motorcycles, you, you, you go to Miami. I think it's, like, crazy. L- l- people are, like, spending so much money on that stuff here. Yeah. And maybe one of the reasons why they can is because it's summer year-round. It's December right now. And, and, you know, as you said, in Europe, it's snowing and it's freezing there. And here, it's, you know, it was, like, 85 degrees or, like, 30 degrees Celsius, which is, like perfect weather so we were walking on the beach and i think like halfway through we decided randomly to do what julia <laughs> to go on a helicopter ride <laughs> and it was actually coaster's idea how, how did you think of it why, why did you decide well we saw the helicopter in the air and we just decide why not it's one life one opportunity and then johnny was quick enough to pick up the phone and find it online we check the prices, we give them a call, and they say, yeah, it's available for 4 o'clock. So and this was at 3.30? 3.30, yeah, so we get half an hour to jump in the Uber and get there as quick as possible. So I wanted to share this for, for a couple of reasons. One is just like an idea of all the cool things there are to do in Miami. Uh, and it wasn't that expensive. I think a lot of people, they put off things like this because they think this is for the super rich this is for the millionaires, the billionaires, that normal people can never be in, ho- in a helicopter. But in reality, it's like, what, what did we pay? $110 a person? I think, yeah, that was 110 And if we did that before and planned that in advance, we could go through... Groupon? Groupon, I think, yeah. And then we would pay much less. We would pay like $75. Yeah. So it's like, it's affordable for literally anyone to do and you know what 
Yeah, maybe if you're really struggling to pay rent or you're just starting your business, you know, maybe you shouldn't even waste the extra hundred dollars. But I want everyone to know that, like, we can live life now. We can do the, you know, the things we want to do. That we don't have to put it off until we're retired or, you know, that we have enough money to buy one, right? Because at the end of the day, it's probably never a good idea financially to buy a helicopter or buy a yacht or buy a private jet. It's always better to rent. Yeah, I totally agree with that, and、um, I think sometimes we look at the things around us and we think they cost much more. And the whole idea is to take action and actually check the prices, go try, and not be scared of anything. Just live today and try as much as you can. So I'm actually glad that you were there because I think it was a joint effort that we actually decided to go. Because when you first mentioned it, I was thinking in my head, you know what? Yeah, I've always wanted to go on a helicopter. This is perfect. It's my last day in Miami. It's a. It was a perfectly clear, sunny, beautiful day, and I thought it would be amazing to take a helicopter and be able to see the beach, see the downtown city. I can't think of a better place in the world to do it. And then when I looked it up, I thought, man, it's only a hundred bucks. This is like a great deal. And when I called, and they're you know they were available, and the only thing stopping me was that we couldn't get the Groupon deal, but it was only a twenty five dollar savings per person, which. You know, really isn't that big of a deal, and I honestly started having some excuses in my head why we shouldn't do it. And I think Julia can can attest to this. Like you're like the super rational person. Like you like to pre-plan things, right? Yeah, definitely. So what was going through your mind when we said, "Oh, let's go on a helicopter right now"? I just went with the flow, really, because if I would start like overthinking, I wouldn't go. I was thinking like, ah,、uh, you need to go to get Uber. You need to go to the airport. What if it's scary? Like all sorts of stuff. But when you just like let go and just like, yeah, well, everyone is going. Let's just let's just go for it. You know, like I I tried not to give my brain. You know, like you know, like this book Five Second Rule. You know, like if either you just like count to five and you'd go for it, or you start like allow your brain to do the job of. Persuading you not to, so this really worked for me. So I'm like, yeah, just just go for it, and I I don't regret it. Like it was really really cool. Like I understood a couple of things about how the brain works as well. Like how it tries to portray things much more scary than they are in real life. You know, because I was like, I had all this. Like you saw me googling, <laughs> is the the helicopter ride scary? You know, like reading reading what other people say and things like that. And when you're actually in the helicopter, it's it's fun. It's like it's not scary at all, and it's actually really exciting. And it's really cool that we had this opportunity to sort of share this ride. You know, I. Definitely agree, and I think for most things, in, you know, in life, as long as it's relatively safe and it's something that we would enjoy doing, and it's something that's not going to put us in a bad position in terms of either health and safety or financially, you know, you know, it's not like we, you know, skipped、um, an important meeting or you know, ca- you know, like canceled on a on a friend, you know, to go do this. We're like, we had nothing else to do. I think. We can take it too far, where we're not living. You know, we're not like doing the things we need to do. You know, we're like getting fired from our jobs or、uh, missing like deadlines because we're just like, yeah, bro, let's go, let's go. You know, let's go skydiving all day. But I think most people are are not that extreme. Most people are more on the cautious side, like I was. You know, when my my brain kicked in and was like, okay, well, you know, now I got to factor in the price of the Uber. Now I have to factor in the price of The、um, airport fee, which is fifteen dollars per person, and then maybe they're going to charge tax, and then 
you know, oh, maybe we should just, you know, schedule for another time. And that's when my brain starts kicking in. You don't seem like you have that problem, Costa. No, I think that's one of the problems why people don't enjoy their life, actually. And they, of course, they should think what they do, but sometimes we put the barrier ourselves and stop ourselves for no reason. I mean, it's not like huge deal of money. Come on, we're on holiday, we enjoy it. Enjoy as much as you want. And I'm sure five years later, you're going to remember this day saying, yeah, I actually took the action and I went there and I enjoy it and I love it. And I'm going to do it again. And next time, when something big comes up, you're going to take make a decision just as easy as you've done it today. And I'm really quite happy I've met you. And uh, I was surprised. I look at you and when you say, yes, we're going. I'm like, yeah, I've got a partner of crime. He's definitely easy going guy. He's definitely going to go with me. And then the rest of the guys just going to follow us. They have no choice. <laughs> they got to do it. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, at the same time, I do think it's good to have the rational person to say, okay, wait a second, let's figure out if this is something that is actually safe to do, right? So for example, cliff jumping, that's something that, you know, we can easily say, well, just do it, just jump, you know, like it's, you know, everyone does it. It's, it'll be fun for sure. But at the same time, a lot of people like break their backs, you know, jumping from cliffs that especially if they're too high or they land wrong. And it's actually a very dangerous thing, which I've done many times, you know, and the way to get yourself to do it is not to overthink it. But at the same time, I've been very lucky where nothing bad's happened. But I've actually had friends, like close friends, who have literally broken their backs and been almost paralyzed from jumping off cliffs in, I think it was, for him it was in Croatia. But people have died jumping off cliffs that I've jumped off of in Thailand. So the exact same cliff I've jumped off of, you know, people have just landed a little bit wrong or they um, jumped too soon after the next person or, you know, the person behind you jumps too soon and they land on you. So things like this could happen where I think it's actually good to have a rational person, you know, just Google it real quick and say, is this safe? <laughs> and, it, it, and if it's relatively safe, I mean, nothing's 100% safe, right? But if it's relatively safe, you know, if it's not any more dangerous than driving a car, then just go for it. So in terms of actual like travel you guys have been living a pretty interesting life, right, Julia? Well, yeah, I can't complain. <laughs> yeah, we do travel a lot. Like, I think it's one of the purpose of our life for now. You know, like, just to see as much of the world as possible until we have a desire and uh, energy to do that. We tend to travel quite, f like, now we, we aim to, to go as far as possible from Europe so that when we get older, we go closer <laughs> to explore Europe and everything else around. So, yeah, we, we've been around quite a bit. And when did this start? Um, I think we started traveling when, when, when I met Costa, really. It was like six years ago. Yeah, like, because before that, I did travel quite a bit, but it was more like European-based trips. And uh, I tried, my, my kind of idea at that time was to travel as much, but as cheaply as possible. And I, I did a lot of couch surfing and uh, like sometimes I would have a trip with the plane and food and everything else included would cost like 60 quid for, wow. for the whole weekend, you know. Like, How is that possible? Like if you 
like uh, if you go to a really good couch surfing, you know, like you get like really cheap flights uh, with Ryanair and uh, like sometimes couch surfers, they don't even feed you, you know, like and they like they have they allow you to use their fridge, their like drinks and stuff. So, yeah, I, I, I had a couple of trips that were like super cheap. And then when I met Costa, our first trip was Bali and kind of opened my eyes that like the long haul flights are not as scary as I thought. So like and. Actually, the world out there is so different from where we actually live, like in Europe. And yeah, and that's when it started. Like we we started exploring Asia, then we moved on to more developed places, like you know Japan, South Korea, like now US. And wow, okay. So let's start in the beginning, right? So couchsurfing. Were you traveling alone or with friends? Well, ah, couchsurfing alone, and sometimes with friends. I had a bunch of uh, people. Like we had like a group called Friends of London it was uh, or originated by it was organized by a German guy, and he was um, he was like sort of a leader, and we organized a lot of trips together around Europe, like Amsterdam, you know, like Italy, things like that. And um, then um, yeah, we've done quite a bit of traveling with them, and then I did a few travels on my own as well. I I went to Egypt on my own. That was quite of a journey. Wow, <laughs> that was really funny. And uh, yeah, I, I I did travel alone when when I was single. And and yeah. So how was that? Like as a single woman traveling and you know staying in strangers' houses on couchsurfing, what was that like? Um, it was okay. You know, like um, when I first went, I usually usually read the reviews first of all. You know, like of the places where you're going to. So you pretty much know what the person is going to be like. And uh, also, like, I was less fussy. So what, if I knew someone in that city, I would go and stay with them. And like, now I wouldn't, like, because you, you tend, you, you get used to more comfortable life. But at that time, I, all I cared was, like, to see as much as possible. And uh, I knew that my, I used to work in the office. So I had, like, 20 days a year. So I used to take half a days, you know, like I would take like Friday half a day off, fly out and then come back on Sunday very late, like at 11, p- uh, 11 a- p.m. And uh, literally like, <laughs> like. And so like, like, where would you be able to go from Lithuania? Uh, that was from England, actually. I was traveling from London uh, from Lithuania. Um, if like before when I lived in Lithuania, I couldn't really travel much, but I always wanted to. And because um, Lithuanian life was slightly different from London life. I guess that makes sense because London's a big hub for a lot of cheap yes, um, flights. Yes. And the salary is different. I, I, used, I was a teacher back home and I was earning like 120 pounds per month. So <laughs> That's it. It's yes. like 250 bucks or less. Actually, now it's even less. It's like $200 a yes. month. How's that possible? <laughs> it is possible. People still earn that much there. As a teacher? It will maybe more a little bit, but still not mu- as much as you would earn in England or US. Yeah, that's hard, right? Yeah, I, I had a lot of holidays, but I couldn't do much with the money I had. So that's why what was one of the reasons why I moved to live in London. Because and then were you teaching in London or what were you doing there? No, in London, I first I started really low. I, I started from waitressing. So I had to go back to like squares, square one. And uh, yeah, I started from waitressing and then I moved to like currency exchange. I see actually see them all over the place here. And uh, then I started working for educational consultancy. And that's where I kind of found that I, I can actually start my own business like in the future. But it took me like four years to, to get to that point. 
So any regrets from like leaving a like a nice stable life in Lithuania? Uh no, I I always wanted to live somewhere else. Like Vilnius, like the capital of Lithuania, was too small for me. Like seriously too small. And I knew like when I when I graduated, when I went to work at, at school and everything else, I I felt like this is it. You know, like what are gonna do with my life? So if I would stay there, I would probably be like a totally different person because my self esteem was so low. I felt like if I graduated uh, f- as a teacher, so I all I can do is teach. Like I I don't know, we didn't ha- I didn't have any other ideas in my head that you can do any other things you know like that you're capable of much more there's like really low self-esteem and uh, it took me a while to kind of uh, get to the point where I am now and uh, yeah I don't regret I I would never go back there you know unless there is like a catastrophe in England and England doesn't exist (laughs) then maybe (laughs) you know so the mindset do you think that was common in Lithuania yes definitely because when I was at uni uh, you know, like they educate future teachers and, uh, they would, like, we would, would, we didn't even know how to do the presentation. You know, like the public speaking was really absent. Like I could see, like, the girls, even like it was 16 in the group, for example, they were like really stressed to give us short presentation in front of the girls they know. And, uh, so there was a lot of things that were not really taught, you know, like, and we didn't know how to, I've seen, like, I literally saw children for the first time when I graduated. So can you believe it? You walk into the class, it's your job now. And it's like the first time you've ever seen children and you've ever taught them. Wow. So there's no practice in Nothing. front of, like, other students were shadowing or no. anything. Wow. You just, like, I arrived and I was like, right, what? gonna do now i don't even know whether they're gonna listen to me you know like so it was quite tough like and and yeah it's for some reason like the way we were educated was just like i don't know no one really thought about self-esteem or like achieving more or like it was just like you you should be like everyone else you know i think it's post-sovietic mentality now it's probably different but um but at that time it was really like we were all very simple ordinary and didn't really aim high well congrats on breaking through that (laughs) yeah thank you so costa what was it like for you before you met julia um i would say it was quite interesting i tried to travel as much as i could with my friends as well and i always have a dream to travel around the world and see as many cities as i could well finishing the school and uh, when you studied university you got limited time to do that and you also got limited finance to do that so i always try to find a way to save money for travel or to earn more like stop uh, some other income or invest somewhere where I could get more money. And I had a dream to invest into property and uh, leave for that money. So that will be passive income. So I read a very interesting book, which really inspired me. And that was uh, Robert Kiyosaki, Poor Dad, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And uh, yeah, I like that idea. And that explains to me a lot where I could be, uh, what I could be just an ordinary worker, professional, and develop myself over there. Or I could be a businessman, set up the business and try to do that and get the money out of it, which is more money, obviously, and then to become an investor as well. So, What was your job at the time, though, when you read that? Um, when I read that, I dreamed to be a chef 
celebrity chef and I want to open my own restaurant. And when I went to London, I work as a chef. I spent five years working as a chef and uh, it was my golden dream. But um, I've realized in the five years, I've realized how hard it is and what sort of competition you got around you. And uh, it's really hard job. You have to be 16 hours on your legs running around and restaurant is a good business if you know what you're doing and probably like everything but it's um it's in london how can i put it right it's tough it's tough and it's a full-time job so you probably never going to be able to leave it um, and it's more than a full-time job it's like a seven day a week job it is yeah and uh, i always would be there I always be controlling everything trying to prove it and make it better so after five years, I think I've been out myself and I've decided to do something different. And uh, I have some insights because I've read Anthony Bourdain's book, Kitchen Confidential. Have you read that? No, I haven't. No. It is insane. It is. He actually wrote it before he became really famous. So he was really, he's, he's still raw now, but he was really raw. And he was talking about how much cocaine he was doing while working as a chef and how they would just get smashed every night at the bar. And... Also, the kind of the behind the scenes on, on what it's like being a chef, how to actually run a restaurant, and even you know, like you just you learn so much. Like you know, you learn about which days it's the best days of the week to actually go to restaurants and which days you should avoid. So, I highly recommend reading uh, Kitchen Confidential if you guys are interested in kind of like seeing behind the curtain. Yeah, thank you. That's a really good idea, and uh, I've seen that a lot, and I learned it from my experience as well. Which days to go to the restaurant, which go days not to go to the restaurant, and uh, I can understand why he was taking drugs, getting smashed, getting drunk, and all that sort of things. So I've seen so many guys overworking there, and after sixteen hours of stress and running around, is uh, it's just a hard job. That's all I can say. So I wonder if it's different in uh, the U.S. versus in London. What are the days? What are the best days to do, to go to a restaurant? Which days are the, the worst days? Um, I think it's not just the days; it's the months as well. Some months are quiet, especially after Christmas of January. Uh, days busiest day in London for the restaurants, I would say, is Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and um, if you go there on Monday, Tuesday, probably Wednesday as well, you get a very good chance to book a good restaurant and uh, to have a good meal or even discount prices. So in the book, he, he mentioned kind of exactly that. And he also mentioned that there are top chefs, you know, and this is, you know, for like, let's say the top restaurants, right? Like four or five star or like just highly rated restaurants. The chef can't work seven days a week. So usually they have, you know, one or two days off. The busiest days are, as you said, like in the weekends, Friday, Saturdays, sometimes Sunday. So the best day to actually go, uh, according to him, is Thursday because he's fresh. He's not hungover. <laughs> and they have all fresh ingredients because they're prepared for the weekend. And he's just kind of excited to, <laughs> to serve. But it's not too busy yet. So it's not, you know, too packed. The worst day to go are Mondays because they have just finished, you know, the, the whole weekend shift. So either the chef has a day off and you have some like a like a lesser chef there or he's there and just hung over and is unhappy. And that's also when all the food is kind of starting to spoil from being ordered the Thursday before. No, I think it all depends on the restaurant. Um, most of the restaurants where I used to work, uh, you get them fresh food delivered daily and prepared everything on the same day. So whatever is left over, you either threw it away or... You throw it away. 
so you can't use it. You don't want to take a risk and poison someone. Okay, that's good to know for for London foodies. All right, so how did you and Julie actually meet? Uh, that was a very interesting story. <laughs> that time I was doing um, networking events a lot, and I've set up my own networking events for entrepreneurs. So Julia came to one of the events, and um, I don't know, from my heart, I felt like, yeah, this is the one, this is the person who I was looking for. And I invited her. I really invited her for the business meeting. She was um, working for company educational consultant, and I said, okay, let's go and you show me what you sell, what product you have, guys, and how can I, how I can help you. So, how, Julie, how, how did you, how did you guys actually initially like, find or like each other? <laughs> yeah, I came to that networking event. Like, actually, how did you hear about it? Ah, that was really actually an interesting story because uh, he never ran those events on that day. And uh, remember, you had to swap it from Tuesday to Wednesday that that time, that only time. And I was searching for clients for because I got headhunted to another company, and that company was actually quite a rubbish company, and they really forced me to work hard. And I had to search for like in my free time to to find and generate the like business for them. And I basically met this Russian girl who. It was really random girl. And I asked her, like I had a meeting with her and then I realized that she's not like going to be a good gatekeeper for my future clients. But I asked her, like, do you know any networking events where I can meet like, uh, I don't know, entrepreneurs, business people, like whatever. And she's like, yeah, today is like, there is like this Lithuanian boy, like making, like has this uh, networking event. So I went and, uh, I didn't really notice Costa. Like, I, 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 I know that I was the first person to walk in, you know, like, I, for some reason, I thought he's married as well. Because, like, when we sat down to discuss things, like, and I exchanged the cards and stuff, she said, like, oh, yeah, you can use it for your children or something like that. So I just, like, kind of thought, yeah, he's married, whatever. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, so, and after that, um, what, we, he invited me to this meeting. And, uh, yeah, I had to buy my own biscuit. <laughs> it was really funny. <laughs> so you guys met like just one on one somewhere for yeah, a coffee? Yeah, or? He, he invited me for like for a coffee. So I, I thought like, oh, yeah, because he was, um, he had a security company. I thought he may have Russian clients for me. So I went there and he was like, would you like a coffee? And I was like, hmm, may, yes, but you know, I, I want to buy a biscuit. So I'll pay myself. <laughs> so he was really like, what? <laughs> So I went and I bought myself that biscuit in Starbucks, yeah. And yeah, and I, I, just, I seriously thought that it was about business. Like I we had the meet, like and, until he invited me to the theater, you know, like only then I understood, right, this is like more than a business meeting. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. nice. So just, just to translate for all the Americans, a biscuit actually means cookie, right? <laughs> yeah. And theater actually means movie theater, like, or cinema. No, actual no? musical, like a Broadway wow, theater. Wow, really? Yeah. Okay. He loves musicals, so he invited me for musical. Oh, nice. Do, do you remember what it was? I don't remember, actually. No, I don't remember, unfortunately. Oh, you guys should find out. Yeah. No, not Grace, something else. I don't remember. But it was it was fun. I remember that was a really cool musical. Okay. Yeah. Really cool. So you guys met, and this was both in, this is in London? Yeah. And are you both Lithuanian? Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that kind of random? <laughs> yeah, very random. 
<laughs> and the funny thing that I've never dated Russian-speaking guys ever, like uh, seriously since the Lithuanian times. Even in Lithuania, I've never dated Lith- uh, Russian-speaking guys. So <laughs> it's like he was like an exception to the rule. <laughs> All right, I like it. Well, it's it's fate that you guys met. Yeah, but it's also not just fate, but it's you going out of your way to go to events, to meet people, to further you know your career, but also. It's also a great way to meet friends. It's also a great way to meet your potential partner. It just it's it's different than staying home and watching Netflix and ordering pizza. Of course, yes, definitely. So actually, in Miami, my first night here, I just I think I just messaged like everybody on my email list for my blog johnnyfd.com, and I was like, hey, everyone, I'm in Miami. You know, if anyone wants to meet up, and this girl named Giovanna messaged me saying, hey. You know, um, I'm in Miami. Let's hang out. Uh, I'm going to this networking uh, event for entrepreneurs tonight at some guy's house. Uh, this guy named Gabe. He's, she's like, you know, do you want to come? And I got there at, at like 20 minutes early. And I realized like I was like a little bit too early. So I didn't even go into the house. I just st- stood outside. And he, Gabe walks out because he's like just needs to move his car or something. <laughs> and he sees me loitering in front of his house and invites me in. And it ended up being not only a really cool event, but also it taught me a lot of lessons. All right. Well, like one is if you if you go on time to something or early to a like a networking event, that organizer is gonna be there because they have to be there early, right? And you that's like the best time to actually get to know that person. And that person, I guarantee, is a very type A personality, someone who makes things happen, someone who probably has a lot of value to give because the type of people who organize events and go out of the way are not usually the leechers or the people who are lazy. And it was cool, like, from not knowing anybody in Miami to all of a sudden meeting, like, 10 or 12, like, really cool people that I could, you know, that have been inviting me out this whole weekend. But also, if I ended up staying here, I'm sure they'd be great to, you know, to mastermind with or, you know, just, you know, further our business with. Definitely. Yeah, that's an amazing way to meet people and uh, make new connections. And you never know where that's going to lead. So you, 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 you turn up on the party and you don't know who's going to be there. It could be another your business opportunity, your business idea or life changer for you. So I would definitely recommend to everyone instead of sitting at home, lying on the couch, just go and mix with people, speak to people. And if nothing's happening, organize something. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, if you don't have anything going on, just create your own. And, uh, and I'm that's, sure. how, that's how we met. Because so all of us came to Miami to go to Tony Robbins' event. And we knew we were going to be here a few days early. We knew that there would be a bunch of people in town. And it would be great to meet up. And, you know, nobody really knew where or how to meet up. But by you guys scheduling a lunch... And, you know, like, it's, it wasn't even that hard, right? You just have to find a restaurant, make a reservation, <laughs> and go. You were kind of the catalyst for, you know, people, for us to meet each other. And it's, it's almost like you're, you're, you become a magnet and you, you start attracting things and people into your life. Yeah. I think in life, you have to take action. You have to, uh, do something that's make life more enjoyable and, uh, more action going on, more things going on around you. And that's the way we live and that's the way we enjoy it. And I like it. And I think, you know, just right away, just the fact that you guys take the time to organize something and you guys, you know, go out of your way to do it, it already just, 
you know, made me like you in the beginning. Like right from the beginning, I'm like, oh, okay, they're probably pretty cool people if they're going to do this. And I w- when we were walking the beach, I-, I was kind of ranting about the people that I feel like are not successful in life. And I was like annoyed for you guys because 17 people are RSVP'd for the lunch, which means you went out of your way to make a reservation for 17 people. You made sure we had ta- like chairs and silverware and place settings for 17 people. Luckily, the restaurant wasn't busy, but if it was, they would have had to turn away other customers. You know, it would have been a huge headache for everyone. And the fact that 13 of them didn't show up, and not only did they not show up, they didn't message, they didn't take the two seconds to log into Facebook and just click not going or can't go. To me, these are the people who I can, t- I can tell why they're not successful already. You know, I mean, everyone goes to seminars, you know, especially self-help ones like, you know, Date with Destiny for different reasons. Some people want more in life. They want to improve even more or they want to like clarify their goals. And some people feel like the whole world is against them and that they just can't get ahead, you know, or they're, they're broke, they're poor, you know, they're single. They just are not happy. And it's something as simple as committing and saying, okay, I'm going to this. I'm, I'll go. <laughs> if I can't go, I will, I will have the foresight to, you know, take two seconds and just click, I'm not going because I'm thinking about how my actions affect others. Yeah, that's right. And I think that in life, generally, if you take action, if you um, do something and you plan it and you get more involved, then you definitely be rewarded. If you just ignore it or you say, yes, I'm coming and then not coming, um, we not get annoyed. Uh, we try to be positive. We just think, okay, it's their problem. They didn't come. They didn't use the opportunity to meet you and to give this interview and to meet some other interesting people and to have a great day and to fly the helicopter. So look, we had a great day and they just left out. So <laughs> I, I'm not annoyed and I don't feel sorry for them, but it's their choice. They do whatever they want to do. And I think we got the opportunity to sort of get to know each other better because when you have like a massive group of people you don't really socialize you get like little chunks of information from everybody but when you're like four of us yeah but we actually had a really good day and we're going to remember it for a very good a very long time so there is always like a bright side of things definitely yeah i definitely agree and to be honest i completely forgot about being annoyed (laughs) You know, especially like once we decided to go on the, on the helicopter, <laughs> I didn't even think about it until right now. But then it was like, I was like, okay, you know, what are the lessons we can learn from this? And I really feel bad for people who think life is going against them because there's always going to be a reason or an excuse why you can't make it. I'm sure if we talked to those 13 people now, honestly, I really wanted to just like tag them individually and say, hey, where were you today? You know? And just call them out and put them on blast. But then I realized not every you know, everyone's going to have some excuse or reason. And then second, they're not really going to learn anything from it. And then third, it's just going to make me pissed off. So why put myself in that situation? You know, so like it's almost like, you know, picking internet fights and everybody loses. Yeah, that's right. I think in that case, you're just losing your energy and uh, you can use that time for something more productive and make your life much more happier. And uh, no, I don't see the point of that. So we leave them where they are and let them do whatever they want to do. Yeah. But for the people who are in that situation that feel like life is going against you, I want you know you guys to be able to learn from this and say, okay, 
yes, like things will happen. I mean, for example, I was late today and I hate being late, you know? And I think one of the reasons why I was late was, so first off, there's a bunch of reasons why I was late, but at the end of the day, I take responsibility for all of them because I could make, you know, I can control it. And I think that's a big difference between my attitude, you know, first off, even acknowledging it, you know, and feeling bad and then apologizing, but also realizing, hey, it's my fault, you know? So the reason why I was late was because I had the interview with Sam uh, for Invest Like a Boss. We were talking about Bitcoin. So that's the other episode that was out this week. If you guys are interested in Bitcoin, listen to that. But, you know, he's in California. So it was like 8 a.m. for him. And I couldn't ask him to do it any earlier. You know, and then he, you know, you know, woke up at eight. So, it t- you know, it took another 15, 20 minutes for him to wake up, you know. So it ended up running a bit long. And then um, I had to go home and drop off my laundry because I don't want to carry everything. And then I grabbed a lift and I was 20 minutes late. But what I could have done different is I could have had, I could have recorded that interview last week. You know, I could have done it when we were both, you know, in a different time zone it would have been easier. I could have went to the laundry yesterday and dropped it off, or I could have dropped off the laundry before the interview. There's so many things I personally could have done different where I wouldn't have been late. And I think the difference between, you know, that and just the people who just didn't bother showing up, because I'm 100% sure if we asked them, each one of them would have had 20 different reasons why they couldn't come or, you know, or excuses, you know, why they didn't show up. Yeah, I think we met one on the way. Um, on the beach and she had a very good excuse why she didn't um, come for the meeting but then again it's um, it's up to her it's her decision she made the decision on that day and that's how we create our life we create our successful life we make decisions every day to do what we do uh, my parents told me about time and to be on time when i was a kid they said respect always respect other people time and if you're not going to show up just tell them and uh, Try not to be late, whatever the reasons are. If you know it's going to be traffic, leave an hour early, be on time, uh, because it's um, put the trust into people, and it shows what you made of, what you are, and who you are. Yeah, even if it's not a business thing, I mean, it de- like one hundred percent. If it is a business thing, you have to come. You know, leave two hours early and just work from a Starbucks next door. You know, and then that way you you you'll always be on time. Um, even if it's not a business thing and you're just meeting up for any other like event, you know, like for today, it's not a business thing, but who knows? We, you know, we might end up making millions of dollars together on some property deal in London or, you know, it, and that wouldn't have happened if I, you know, ended up, I went to the beach instead by myself because I was like, ah, you know, I'm late now. So forget about it, you know, or, you know, or even like people who, I think part of it, I feel bad. This is me kind of having a bit of empathy for people is I can see why people get sucked into this mindset where it's okay to be late. You know, one of the excuses I had on why it wasn't that big of a deal for me to be late today and why I actually didn't even, I was actually written into my, my app to write, Hey, I'm, I'm running 15 minutes late. You know, I'm in, you know, I'm in a Lyft now or I'm in Uber now. I was going to write it, but then I thought back to last night where we were all, you know, for you know there for dinner and everybody was 30 to 90 minutes late and that's kind of just normal here in miami or you know a lot of places in the world so in my mind i was like oh i don't even need to write it because i'm sure everyone else is late so it's not a big deal but then instantly afterwards i was like you know what i don't care what other people do that shouldn't affect the way i do things you know i have 
my morals and my standards and you know that I've learned from my parents and also you know just fr- from my my own life that I should not let the way other people you know do things affect the way I do it. Yeah, you are responsible for your life, so don't look at other people and make your own decision. Um, doors open for people who knock the doors, and if you're not on time, you're unreliable. So I would probably not have this conversation with you, and I would be thinking, oh, it's just a waste of time. But then when I see you are serious about even such a simple meetings, then we can carry on. And you're right, we can go to London, we can buy property together, we can do some business together, and... Uh, you could be meeting anyone at that event. Anyone. Yeah. You know, you never know who you're going to meet that's going to end up changing your life. And, you know, you made a good point where sometimes we mess up. And I don't expect people to be perfect. You know, like I know people, you know, things will happen where people can't help it and they're late, you know, where they could have planned better, but they didn't. Things happen. And to me, it's not about them being late once or not, you know, or even twice or not. It's how they think about it or how they react to it you know, afterwards, you know, and I'm glad you brought that up. So I'm curious, how have you been able now to travel like so often? Like where have you guys been in in this last year? Uh, Last year, gosh, I don't remember. (laughs) Just a second. So she's actually pulling up her calendar right now, which kind of just shows how often she's traveled. This year, we started from Slovakia. We did some skiing in Slovakia. Then we went to Cancun for like a Mexican holiday. Uh, we did, we explored some of uh, England as well. We did, we finally went to Lake District and Dorset, which was like on the list for ages because you always postpone things that are nearby. Uh, we always visit Lithuania. We went to South Korea. We went to Prague in Czech Republic was really beautiful I haven't been like for uh, first time it was my actually first ever trip to Prague so I was 13 when I was there the last time we explored Italy quite extensively this year we spent like two weeks uh, swapping like it was like 14 days and I think nine different locations so we we really like explored it uh, then we went to like we went to Rotterdam we spent some time in Brussels and within we went to Israel as well like recently the, the the recent trip was in Israel yeah so it was a bit less of um exotic far away countries this year but and now yeah we're in Miami with the plan <laughs> with and, the plan and so you guys have been traveling now like for a couple years now or like how long 6 years that's crazy yeah and so what do you do actually do for work what do you do for money to fund this uh, I have a mix of uh, things that I do. First of all, I'm educational consultant, so I help families to choose the schools for their children, you know, like private schools in England. Also, like uh, private tutors, and uh, I help with the university admissions. Uh, in addition to that, I have some passive income that comes from uh, properties. It's either like the, my pro- my own property or the rent to rent like projects. So that's that's the passive income. And yeah. did you buy that from the two hundred dollar uh, two hundred dollar a month salary as a teacher? <laughs> no, 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 no. Of course, it, it was generated from the bi- the initial business. But um, yeah, so that's that's the main. Mm-hmm. And are you like how do you run this while traveling? You know so much. Um, 
Well, like, we try to structure the day so that we can work a little bit. Like, for example, today I woke up at 5 a.m. So I did some, like, I assigned some tasks. And also, I, I'm learning how to outsource things. So I, I have a virtual PA that who is based in England. And uh, she helps me a lot with uh, if there if we need to call or if there is uh, like if I need to do a research, you know, like to find which schools to apply to and stuff like that. Uh, she helps me a lot with that. So I've managed to outsource quite a bit of admin. So in reality, I, I do have quite a bit of time on my hands. So all I need is like time in the morning to to assign the tasks, to explain it to her, and then I can relax. That's really cool. So this has been. 183 episodes and we've never had anyone do this type of business. So it's really cool like discovering that there's so many things you can do and it's not, you know, and London's not a cheap place to live, you know, and also a lot of places you travel to are not cheap places to travel to. So the fact that you were able to work location independently, outsource and use, you know, virtual, you know, help is, is really cool. Yeah, it, it does help a lot, but it took me ages to learn. If I would start outsourcing earlier, the, I think I would really grow my company. But I, I kind of was one of those entrepreneurs who like, oh, I can do everything myself, you know, like everything. I, no one can do better than I, <laughs> things like that. It took me like five years probably to actually realize that I can actually enjoy myself because there were some holidays like last year, I think, that like I would work a lot, you know, like I would just like be in a nice location but then I would just really work. <laughs> so I, I realized it and I thought, no, I can't do it like that because what's the point of all like sitting in a nice <laughs> beachside cafe, you know, like and and just work from your laptop. Yeah. So, yes, outsourcing is the key for like really happy life and travel and stuff. So thinking back, how many years ago do you think you could have outsourced? Probably I could start for like maybe like a five years, four years ago, because like after the first year of business, because first year was obviously quite uncertain because you don't know what's going to happen. And, but the, the all other years I could definitely do that. But well, you learn, you know, like some people learn faster, some learn a bit slower. So I was a slow learner in that respect. And it took me a while to find a good assistant as well, because I, in this year, so I had like three or four, like, uh, because I'm, I, I'm quite precise in what I do. And the reason why people come to me by referral, because I do things well. And I, I don't like people who, like, as my assistants being like, oh, whatever, you know, I'll just do it like this. Like, like for me, the quality is the must because uh, in the last, like, six years that I've had my company, I've never really advertised. So it's, I have, I have to be, I don't know, I like the quality and uh, I, I want it to remain the same, you know, like. So I guess, you know, that answers the question, you know, why you don't hire like a Filipino VA or someone from India is because you are willing to pay more for someone in England who can deliver the same quality of work that you could. Yes, plus I need Russian language. I don't think I will find a Filipino who speaks Russian because majority of my clients are Russian speaking. Well, like... I did help a few, quite a few like clients who are not, but like um, the major client was Russian. So I always needed someone who can translate things and who understands, you know, like what their mentality is. 
So yeah, it's. it's oh, if you need an assistant, my Russians, my uh, <laughs> Moya Rushkas is da da. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very very well. It's it's much better than my Thai, for example. <laughs> very cool. Um, all right, and Costa, what about you? What do you do for for work? Um, I run security company in London, and that helps a lot as well. I wouldn't say. I could outsource everything in the first year as well. It took me time to learn how to do it properly and to build a proper team who can who can you rely on. Um, but yeah, now I can relax and I know the guys who I'm working with, they can arrange everything and um, I can just send one text message and say, is everything all right? And I'll get reply. Yes, all good. Everything's arranged. And that's one source of income, but I've learned over the years, you got to have more than just one source of income, because I was in a situation when our main clients couldn't pay for nine months, and we nearly got bankrupt, I couldn't pay the guys the salary, and all my savings gone just for their salary, just to pay them, because they also have a family, they also have a mortgage, and they need to pay that off. So from that, I learned property investment is one of the one of the good passive income where you don't need to spend much of your time and once you find a good tenants you can it's basically run itself and that's what i've been doing since um, 2012 in london we start investing into property so we got about seven now and that's a good cash flow and that's what helped us to travel and i should say we also try to travel quite often we try to do it i had a dream to travel every month but then we realized um it doesn't give us much enjoyment. We, we love London. We love to come back there and enjoy the cultural things. Going to the theater, going to the museums, see all the exhibitions there. And um, Julia, she's the one who arranged everything. And it was quite... Um, it it's, was quite a lot for her to organize everything. So from that, we decided to go every second month to travel somewhere for two, three weeks and just get a fresh idea, see the world, see other people. And uh, yeah, it, it definitely helps. You come back to London with different vibes, with different ideas, and uh, you look at the business different, you see what you can change, what you can do different. And yeah, I think that's a great way. I like that. That's actually really smart. We're, we've had a lot of guests on the show who have who travel full-time, and very seldom, I don't normally know of anyone who flies back home, you know, you know, to, to work for, you know, one or two months and then travels again. Because I think mainly most people that come on the show are from like the US or from Australia. And it's really difficult to go home and then come back out. Because if I had to fly, you know, 24 hours from San Francisco, you know, back to Asia or even fly 18 hours to Europe every other month, I would kill myself. It would just, it's just too much. So I think it's really smart that you guys are based in London, where it's kind of cent- like central to everything, right? Yeah, London is a great hub to travel, and there are lots of companies, um, flying companies who can take you anywhere you want at a good price. Even saying that, we flew to New Zealand. We spent 24 hours to get there. We spent, we had a really good three weeks there, enjoyed ourselves, going to different places, and uh, got so many different business ideas in the head. So we had to come back to London and try to implement them. Because if ideas can stay just in ideas for the rest of your life, but if you don't try them, 
you'll never succeed. What were some ideas from New Zealand? <laughs> well, it was a different way to buy the property and to structure the property and to rent it out. And uh, I think that was one of the main idea we had in traveling because you relax yourself, you're not rushing around and you got more things to think about. Oh, very cool. So can you explain what you mean by like rental properties? Like wh- wh- how do you, what, what does a deal actually look like for you? Um, basically what we do, we simply buy the property, which is not a very good state. Then we have a team of builders who's um, doing it up to the European standard, which is a quite a good standard. And then we rent them and we tend to rent them room by room. In that case, we are getting more profit. It's called HMO. Oh. So... Like how many bedrooms are these? Are they houses or are they apartments? Um, most of them are apartments, and you get two bedroom apartments and a sitting room, so you get three rooms out of it. So instead of renting it out as a two bedroom apartment to one person, you're renting it to two or, or even three different people. Yes, that's exactly what you do in London, and you get young professionals who love to do that. They walk in every day. All what they need is a place to come back home, get a good sleep, get a shower, cook something to eat, and go back to work, and that's ideal for them. Yeah, because just like San Francisco and New York, rent prices and property prices in London are crazy, right? Yeah, absolutely right, uh, right. and it's just going up and up every year. Um, so if anything, you you... I mean, I guess you're doing two things really good for society even. Even though you're making money, you know, first you're buying the crappiest rundown house on the block, which is not only driving down property values for everyone else, but, you know, it's also just a safety and a kind of date, like hazard, you know, for the neighborhood. So you going in there and remodeling it to European standards is helping everybody. And then you're giving people an option to be able to afford to live, you know, closer to work in the city center instead of having to commute an hour, two hours to be able to afford it because they normally wouldn't be able to afford the whole flat for themselves. That's right. Yeah, we bring up the standard and it's a win-win situation. And I like that. And also people living like that, they can save a bit of money and buy their own property later on. So do you have to like furnish these places or like what's actually involved? So you, you buy you buy the property. Like, Can you give me an example of like how much it cost to buy one of these places how much cost to renovate and how much can you rent it out for um yeah that's very easy to figure out because i've done a few of them um you put the deposit about 25 percent um it's about um nowadays is about 80 90 pounds and then you buy the property for the mortgage you get the mortgage for 25 years and then you put about 15, 20,000 pounds on the top of that to make the property look nice. So you paint everything, you strip out everything, you put a new pipelines, you put new electricity, you put new ceiling, new walls, everything from scratch, everything completely new. And then you buy the furniture. You normally you buy the basic set, you buy two bedroom flat or two bedroom, two beds, double beds, and then you buy wardrobe, chest of drawer. And that's enough. And then it goes as a personal requirement. If people want something else, uh, I can get them easily. So depends on the person. And how much do you rent out each room for? Um, in the place where we do is um, 520 a month plus the bills. The bills come up in about 45, 50 pounds a month. And do you charge less for the living room or is that the same? It depends on the size really. If it's really big, big um, double, so you charge slightly more. But more or less price is the same in East London. 
and do you have to just, like section it off or how do you how do you give them like yeah like what, what does it actually look like because like, I'm assuming there's a bed in the living room, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you put the bed in the living room, and most of the time you have a big kitchen, uh, kitchen diner. So that's where people can go cook and socialize, talk to each other, and then once they get tired of each other, they just go to sleep and uh, in the bedrooms. But is there like a, a curtain or like a like extra wall, or do people just live in, in the living room? No, no, no. It's not a curtain. It's a proper wall, and uh, if you got a door, you got a lock on it. So you just go into the room. It's the same as a bedroom. You just convert the bedroom into the sitting uh, sitting room into the bedroom. Okay, so you basically build a wall where the living room is to be, and you add a door. So you just have a whole like you, now you have a three bedroom apartment with no living room. That's right. That's the whole idea. And uh, a kitchen, if it's big enough, so that's become so like dining area where people people can sit down and talk to each other and is that legal to do that yeah of course yeah there is no problem to do that that's so crazy like that's so smart because even though it's nice to have a living room it's nicer to save a lot of money on rent so i can I, this is really smart how did you how did you figure this out uh, it wasn't my idea people have been doing it for for years and uh, i've just copied it and did the same thing and uh, i've tried to do it on a single let so I give it to the family, but it didn't work out. And I realized um, I would rather deal with the young professionals who's really driven and they just uh, need a place to stay. And are you personally dealing with like collecting rent or like fixing the toilet or like how does this all work? Um, I got a team. I've got an electrician. I got a plumber. I got a carpenter. And whatever problem comes up, I just give them a call and say, hey, guys, could you please go to this address and fix it? Okay. And what about like? Collecting rent and uh, like rent that. is all automatically, so they either put on direct debit and they pay it monthly, or they just uh, transfer it via bank by themselves. It's quite easy. Very cool. And I'm assuming that the that rent that they're paying you is covering the mortgage. Yeah, it's covering the mortgage and it's giving the property basically given uh, profit as well on top of that. Yeah. So not only are you getting your your mortgage paid for free, which means in 25 years you're gonna own the place and for free you know basically you have you're having someone else basically pay down the debt and then also it's cash flowing what 10 percent a year or more um yeah about right yeah about 10 percent. and so that's you know basically probably the best deal you can you can do with your money um i think yeah at the moment i think out of all investments property is one of the best especially the property in london because you know it's going up and there is a statistic every 10 years the property double so your investment is well looked after, and uh, also you do a good thing. You try, you help people. You help people to find a good place and to live the good standard. That's cool. And you're able to do this, like, like, are you also, you know, like, are you also working while you're away, or is everything kind of set, set up, and forget about it? I do not probably as much as Juliet does, and uh, for me, it's more if the tenants need something, I'll arrange that, I'll contact the person required. Or if I need to find a new tenants, again, I'll put the advertisement and start looking for the new tenants. And then, uh, yeah, that's what I do. Okay, very cool. I, I, I like that a lot. I, I like, you know, having people with different types of, of businesses that, you know, it just kind of reminds us that, you know, everything is possible. And I'm sure there's downsides to everything, right? I'm sure there's some people listening, they're like, oh, I don't want, I don't want to deal with that, you know, um... But at the same time, there's some people listening who are like, oh, man, why didn't I think of that? Or I, I can do that. 
That's right. Yeah, I've got that idea as well from somebody else. And uh, why not? I've seen so many people doing that. And I think passive income is one of the best where you don't have to exchange your time for the money. So it just works regardless. You come back from holiday. Wow, you got another lump sum of money, which you got to spend. Yeah, I, I like that. So here is another way of kind of living our lives where we can have a home base you know, in London or in probably any real big city where, you know, it's easy to fly out from. We can, you know, enjoy life two or three months at a time, plan for the next vacation, go for, you know, three-week vacation, still make money passively, and then, you know, come back, do it again the next month. I like I like that. Uh, so, guys, thanks so much for coming on the show. It's, it's, it's been really fun and kind of, uh, I mean, it's been fun hanging out today and going to the helicopter and, and doing all this cool stuff, but just sitting down and picking your brains on, you know, figuring out how these things work and hearing your life story is probably the reason why I do this podcast, you know, is it gives me an excuse to sit down and ask all the questions that normally don't come up or might take months, if not years to come up, or you just, you know, or never does. No, thank you for inviting us. We really enjoy it. And uh, we're quite happy to share all the information and explain or just show life could be different. Yeah. I like it. And you guys are living it, so congratulations. Thanks. Yeah. So uh, do you guys like blog or use Instagram or Twitter or anything like that? Um, no, not really. I want to get into blogging at some point, so maybe maybe soon. Okay. <laughs> All right, guys. So thanks so much for listening to episode 183 of the Travel Like a Boss podcast. If you guys enjoyed this episode, if you think you know anyone who would benefit from listening to this, please share it with them, especially because iTunes on the new apple update <laughs> ios 11 broke our feed and i think 75 percent of you are not even getting new updates so if you found this episode congratulations i'm glad that you're listening but a lot of people have not heard the last couple episodes so please do me a favor and share it with your friends tell your you know tell your tell anyone about it who you think would enjoy the show and also thanks to everyone who's been leaving these great reviews on itunes you guys are the reason why more and more people find the show and are able to travel like a boss. See all of you guys next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Travel Like a Boss podcast. If you want to hear more, including the bonus, how to choose the perfect niche episode, join our mailing list at travellikeabosspodcast.com. See you next week. And remember, if you want to travel like a boss, you need to be your own boss. So start your online business today and start living the lifestyle you've always dreamed of.